Good evening, everyone. Welcome to another edition of 11 Mile Sessions Live. And on a Zoom-type call, vMix, if you will, uh, I have the gentleman known as Malcolm Bruce with me. Malcolm Bruce is um, Jack Bruce's son from the band Cream from the late 60s. And we are very privileged to have him with us. Good evening, Malcolm. How you doing? Hey, Scott. I'm doing great. How are you doing? Not too bad. How's the weather there? <laughs> oh, well, it's kind of predictable. <laughs> it's got it's got really cold over the last few days. It's kind of minus two last night. So yeah, it's getting pretty chilly uh, into the winter into the winter months. But uh, it's kind of romantic as well. So. Yeah, it, it's about the same here. I mean, I, I I notice a lot of times our weather is kind of similar. Um, I I would imagine minus two is about what we're looking at because. It's been like around the, the mid 20s Fahrenheit the last few days. Yeah. So yeah. it's like, this isn't fall anymore. It's winter. <laughs> yeah, it is. It's, uh, it's uh, long johns and, uh, and uh, sweaters, right? Yeah. So you're here to uh, talk about Heavenly Cream, a uh, tribute album, um, an acoustic tribute, if you will. Um, that's, uh, was just released on November 3rd, I believe on Corto Valley records. Is that correct? Yeah, that's correct. Yeah. November, November the 3rd. Okay. I know I, I got a, a decent amount of information here in front of me, but I was wanting to ask you, um, uh, where and when did, was it decided to do an acoustic as opposed to any other style? I know cream itself, they kind of like were genre bending. It was all kinds of different styles. Yes, well, really, uh, this project was initiated by Pete Brown, the uh, lyricist who wrote many songs with Cream. Mm -hmm. um, so it was really during discussions with between him and the label that they decided to take this approach to the music. Um, and I'm glad they did because it's a, a fresh perspective on, on music that's kind of better known for being this kind of progenitor of rock, uh, with all those influences, as you mentioned, you know, it has folk, blues, rock, um, classical elements, jazz elements almost. So, um, so yes, the music lends itself, I think, to going in various different directions in terms of mm -hmm. how to arrange it. And you, you probably decided that would be better than trying to like copy the style of the original song. And of course, you can't forget to mention psychedelia. That was what it was called. Some of it back then. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Yeah, I think there's no point in competing, just doing the songs the same way, um, because those original recordings are so iconic. Mm -hmm. um, so yes, I think it was a. I think it was the right choice to make. It, and sometimes with creativity, if you if you place a limitation on yourself as well, I think that can help define your goal, you know, so mm -hmm. saying, okay, we're not allowed to have electric guitars, then we have to think a bit differently. It makes you work harder. I think it's like writing a, a short story instead of a novel, you know? Absolutely. Yeah. It's difficult to mm -hmm. put something into a smaller space. So it must've been some, must've been something else you, you growing up in your day. Like, and I know you were quite young then I've, I've tried to look on the internet, not that I'm being super nosy, but trying to figure out about how old you are and I can't find <laughs> anything, but you know, were you actually alive when that? I wasn't quite born yet. No, yeah. I wasn't quite born yet in the sixties. So, um, I kind of missed out 
on all of that. Um, mm -hmm. You know, I did see, I got, I got to see them perform together at the Queen reunion when they got back together. Mm -hmm. um, so I did see them together, but no, not, not the first time. Yeah. Did you meet either, uh, you know, any of them before that, like when you were younger, whether it be Eric, Ginger, uh, Pete? Yeah, well, I was very close to Pete. Um, I, I actually wrote 25 songs with Pete myself, so I, I kind of worked with him yeah. in a musical way. Um, and I've met Ginger and Eric at different times when I was growing up. Um, mm -hmm. So, yeah, I, did, I, I couldn't claim to be sort of close with them, but I had certainly have met them. Yeah, I was just curious. So, um, back then, was, was it just, oh, that's Eric, he's played with my dad, or were you actually like, oh, wow, you know? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think as I got a little bit older, I, it was probably more wow. Um, mm -hmm. But when you're a kid, you're a kid, and yeah. people are just adults are just adults, you know? Yeah, um, they're, they're just older guys. They, they play with my dad. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Mm. Okay. Well, you got a lot of amazing people joining you on this record. And, you know, the thing is, is uh, Pete doesn't really get his due because how many times do you see articles about him and interviews? And, you know, I mean, he was a major force. He was like the fourth member of the band, really, right? I think in some ways he was. Uh, I mean, Felix Papalotti is worth mentioning as well because mm -hmm. he came in from the second record as the producer. Mm -hmm. And um, I think he really got on with my dad. They kind of understood each other from a musical point of view. So I think that Felix's contribution is quite substantial. But lots of people um, contributed. My mum co-wrote two songs for the band. Um, so, you know, there's a, a bit of a cast around the band, even though, yes, you're right. I think Pete never really got um, his mention as much as he mm -hmm. could have done. But... It's just the nature of these things. You know, there's always going to be people up front and people a little bit behind. Stand yeah. behind the curtain. Stay quiet. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, it was interesting to hear him sing some of these songs on here. Um, I noticed that, you know, I mean, this is just my personal opinion, but um, I'm trying to look at my notes here so I can remember. Um, Pete does kind of remind me of Eric in a way, his style of singing. You know, when I actually just listen to the songs and I don't know what's going on, it just kind of reminds me. Whereas you and uh, Nathan sound more like uh, your father. Of course, obviously, you're going to sound kind of like your father. You know, it's a relation, you know. Yeah, I mean, I think the particular song I sang on the record, it's a very light um, kind of almost falsetto type sound mm. that I was trying to kind of capture that my dad used on that particular song. Um, but yes, I think there is a little bit of a genetic similarity between our voices. Um, not to the degree that you could maybe say of other kids of things. You know, I think uh, Julian Lennon, for instance, always really sounded like his dad to me. He was almost um, uh, eerie, wasn't it? Or is it? It's kind of uncanny, yes. Mm -hmm. um, and I think I do have a resonance with my father's voice, but I'm not sure it's to the same degree. Um, but yeah, Pete said interesting. I mean, he really worked with his voice for many years. And I, you know, I think it's also that maybe sometimes songs get associated with a particular voice. And because my dad has had a particular voice mm -hmm. uh, with those songs, when you hear other people sing them, it sounds like somebody else singing. So, mm -hmm. you know, just, I guess it depends how intimate one is with the original material. Right. 
Yeah, um, I'm looking at the roster here. I don't know everybody here, but there's, of course, some people that everybody will recognize. Um, I actually interviewed Deborah and her husband a few months ago. Very nice couple. Oh, great. And yeah, it, was, it was very nice to hear her take on a couple of songs, especially I Feel Free. It takes like a, on a whole new uh, sound with a female voice. Yes, absolutely. And um, I think her working with Rob Cass, the producer, I think they were going for just kind of something kind of falling in, floating in. So she's not really kind of ripping through the song. It's, mm -hmm. it's, a, it's a slightly more intimate approach. And I, I really like what she did. I think it's amazing. Kind of almost ethereal, if you will. I don't know if that's the right word. Mm -hmm. That's what I think of when it's I a good it. word. Mm -hmm. And you got a couple of people, of course, um, Bernie Marsden and Neil Murray, who are more noted for White Snake. Um, but I guess another question is, how did you um, or did Rob hook up with these people to get this thing together? Um, it was kind of a collective effort, mostly Pete Brown and Rob Cass. Um, you know, with the nature of something like this, you kind of, uh, it, there's a kind of natural organic way that it comes together because you know, you might have friends or people that make sense for it. Um, mm -hmm. But, you know, so, so Rob Cass um, had worked with Bernie Marsden a lot over the years, producing his own, re uh, mm -hmm. Bernie's records, and also used to be a singer in Bernie's band. So it was uh, very easy for Rob to bring Bernie in and mm -hmm. um, Bernie was amazing, great asset you know, throughout the whole record. So, so yeah, it just kind of went from there. And, you know, Bernie, Bernie had a friendship with Joe Bonamassa, so that made it kind of easy just to ask Joe. Um, mm -hmm. Ginger, we all just emailed him and he agreed to do it, which was great. And mm -hmm. um, some of the other musicians Pete knew personally, um, I think pretty much there was a connection between everybody that ended up being on the record. Yeah. I'm seeing other ones though, like Pee Wee Ellis, who played with James Brown. That's kind of interesting. And then Maggie Bell on vocals. Um, again, and Paul Rogers. Oh my God. I think if somebody doesn't know who he is, then they've been living under a rock. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, they're all wonderful, wonderful artists, really. You know, mm -hmm. so I think, I mean, with Pee Wee, he was um, living in the UK. Um, mm -hmm. And he'd been playing with a lot of the British musicians for a number of years. And he'd actually been in um, Ginger Baker's jazz band. Mm -hmm. um, so it was uh, natural for him to turn up and do the sessions with Ginger. Mm. Um, yeah, and Paul, I mean, Paul is just an incredible artist. So, uh, you know, and it's, it's just really nice what um, all of these people contributed in the sense of bringing themselves to it, you know, mm -hmm. again, it's a, a tribute record can be, okay, can you sound like this person, but it can also be taking the material and making it our own. And I think that's kind of mm -hmm. what a lot of these singers do. Was most of it recorded like, um, in house? I, I know if I'm not mistaken, they said most of it was at Abbey road. Is that correct? Or did some people just kind of like send their parts in? send their files over um well i think every the, the, we did a couple of early sessions at another studio called sensible music and then the rest was done at abbey road um everybody was together in the room apart from paul rogers he, i think he was the only um 
artists that actually recorded remotely, but everybody else was actually mm -hmm. in the traditional manner in a room together making music. So, so everybody always wants to ask, and I apologize if I do. Like working with Ginger again, I know he's noted for his, you know, moods and different things going on. Uh, how was it like, you know, getting the recordings done? With him? <laughs> Yeah, I mean, he, he had that side to him. Um, so there was a little bit of that to do with on the sessions. But but he's very, you know, he was just amazingly professional, turned up. Mm -hmm. We got it away, we got a sound, and we just did a, you know, two, three takes at the most with Ginger um, mm -hmm. to, to get what we needed. Um, so yeah, there was a little bit of that. It, it, you know, he was having health problems, so... Um, he wasn't like fully in command physically, you know, he mm -hmm. had, to, we took rests and, mm -hmm. um, but yes, I mean, that's just what you get with Ginger. I don't think that was all he was about, but I think he certainly had, could have that front and, um, uh, maybe a sort of defense mechanism or whatever. But, yeah. Um, but well, yeah, I had a little bit of that. <laughs> well, musicians and, <laughs> and sound people have their personalities like everyone else, and I've dealt with a lot over the years, yes. maybe not famous people necessarily, but, you know, I always can appreciate and respect people that are professional. It's like, yeah, go ahead and do whatever, like, before or after, but as soon as, you know, the recording is on or the stage lights up, hey, they they put their best into it. That's all that matters, you know. Yes. Well, I think that's... That's uh, you know the best approach. You know, um, just give everything to what you're doing. Mm -hmm. It's kind of like uh, bittersweet, though. I I know from the the you know moment this was like thought about and became an idea, and then eventually was uh, completed. You know, there was actually a few people that passed in that time. Yes, quite a few. I mean, uh, Ginger. Bernie Marsden, Pete Brown, Pee Ellis, Mo Foster have all left since we made the records. Wow. Wow. It's a good yeah. thing you got that done before. <laughs> that oh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> got it uh, on permanent recording, yeah. That's the thing. You know, I, I, I grew up on most of that music. I'm, I'm a generation kind of like the next one. Um, I wasn't born until pretty much these people started their careers or had already been going at it for a couple years. So I, I was just, I'm just old enough to catch the tail end, but I wasn't there for the actual happenings. But, you know, a lot of my heroes, as far as music goes, they're all starting to go now. And it's just because of age. Yeah. It's not like they're dying tragically to drugs or alcohol or anything. Although, unfortunately, what usually kicks everybody in the butt a lot of times it's cancer and stuff like that, unfortunately. We still can't get the uh, battle one on that. Yeah, I mean, it's just a, it's just part of life, isn't it? Um, and, uh, you know, who's to say? Sure, I mean, a lot of the, that generation of musicians lived quite hard, you know, mm. with drugs and alcohol and, and that kind of lifestyle. Um, but, I mean, who's to say? You know, uh, I'm sure Keith Richards won't mind me, you know, citing him <laughs> because he's the kind of meme that's you know he's going to outlive everybody even though he liked to party and i think you know again it's all just really subjective um, yeah. stuff but yes so it is sad when people leave for sure yeah i just hope that the generations continue to carry on the tradition in the future because 
I don't know. It's just my personal opinion, and I'll I'll say a couple things and get off. But it um, it's just the fact that there that a lot of the music that comes out today, there's really no creativity, and it's not even fostered for that matter. All the big companies, the corporations, the streaming companies, the labels, they just want a quick buck, a quick fix, and you know, there's not even anything involved in putting it together. It's just all pre-planned. It's computerized. It's yeah. digital. It's well, are we moving into that world where I can ask artificial intelligence to write me a, a lyric to a song or even mm-hmm. mimic someone's voice in an audio recording? Um, and as far as playing an instrument and people enjoying that, you know, enjoying the experience mm-hmm. of watching somebody play an instrument. Um, yeah, I mean, all of these things are under threat. Uh, but the very notion of what um, it means to be human, you know, this is the thing. Because mm-hmm. um, I don't know where it's all heading. I guess we will find out. But but yes, I mean, I'm not sure the music industry has been about music for a while now. You know, I think mm-hmm. it's about a lot of other factors. Um, so it's nice to, uh, to to at least play a part in contributing to something that is made by human beings. Yeah. Well, I saw something on the internet earlier today. You know, he was saying, us musicians, we're just wonderful people. We, In most cases, we get paid almost nothing to do what we do. And meanwhile, we spend uh, our lives just trying to make people happy and cheer them up, <laughs> you know? Yeah. And Yeah, it's, uh, it's impossible to... Um, I mean, the the industry to actually make a living in the industry can be a challenge for sure, mm-hmm. um, because uh, people can just listen to stuff on the internet, or you know, it's uh, how do you monetize? What is the value of something? So um, mm-hmm. yeah, I think I think the music industry is is in trouble. It needs to turn a corner for sure. Get back to some more something a bit more real. Okay, so again, this uh, came out on November 3rd, the tribute, uh, acoustic tribute to Cream, Heavenly Cream. Uh, it's on Cordo Valley Records. I would imagine that uh, you can go on their website. Uh, it's available any way you can, pretty much. Yeah, I think Amazon, all, all of the kind of outlets uh, uh, you can download. You can buy a CD. There's a double vinyl package as well for people mm-hmm. that are a bit more audiophile. Um and there is also a, a, a making of documentary that can be streamed as well. And that's on Sunstream in, in the US. So okay. that's a, a, a feature length documentary mm-hmm. with all of us in the studio. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I forgot about that. I wanted to ask you about that. Yeah, so that's still, um, is that going to be released anytime in the near future on something a little more um, widespread, like on one of the major channels, so that we can see that? Yeah, I think they're working on it. Um, I'm not sure where they're at with all of that, but yeah, I'd like to, obviously I'd love to see it have a yeah. wide release. So um, hopefully news about that soon. Okay. And that was, Martin Scorsese was part of that, is that correct? That's actually another um, Pete Brown, a documentary about Pete Brown's life. Um, oh, okay. Has, has Martin Scorsese being interviewed um, along with the uh, three guys from Cream and hmm. others. So, but so that's, that's not actually being released yet. That's not come out. That hasn't come out yet. Ah, so we're still waiting on that. So that's actually two things. Yes. One that's out and one yeah. we can look forward to. Okay. I'm glad I cleared that up, at least for me anyway. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but um, 
I know you're. Uh, it looks like you're starting a, a little a mini tour early next year in 24, but that's in the UK. Any plans yes. to come here to America? Absolutely. Yeah, I'm working. Um, I'm finishing a new record and um, talking to agents. So yeah, it's probably going to be like fall next year before I get okay. to the states. But ho hopefully, I'll be back soon. Yeah, in support of this new record. Okay, so that's fake humans and real dolls. That's it. Mm -hmm. Fake humans and real dolls. Yeah. Okay. So, uh, um, without well, I know you can't play anything for us, but uh, give us an idea. What are we looking at? What uh, style of music is it? All written by you? Uh, who's joining you for it? Yeah, it's all written by me. Um, I've got some co-writers, like lyricist co-writers, on mm -hmm. three or four tracks. Um, it's kind of a quite a heavy sound, I would say, like an alternative rock. I, it's hard to really put it into a box, mm -hmm. particular. But I, you know, it's it's song songwriting. It's nothing too obscure. I think it's um, I think it's going to be good. You know, it's got a commercial sound, um, mm. but it's not classic rock. It's not blues. It's mm -hmm. I mean, I'm sure it's got elements of all of those things. And... Right. Okay. All right. Well, I really appreciate you taking the time to spend with us, Malcolm. It was a pleasure and an honor. Um, again, once again, Heavenly Cream, new Cream tribute album available on Corto Valley Records. I'm sure you can Google it on the Internet. And if you can't find it, then I, I, call me up. I'll help you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so we, we look forward to your future stuff. Uh, I wish you continued su success, excuse me, in whatever you, you do. Thank you so much. And maybe if you want to get a hold of us again sometime, like when it gets closer to when you're coming to see us, hopefully you'll come uh, to oh. Detroit or someplace close to that. I'd love to come back. Yeah, absolutely. I love, I love touring in the States. It's great. Okay. So, yeah, I'll definitely be in touch. That would be really good. All righty. Well, uh, I thank you again, and um, after this is over with, we're going to play the uh, the track with Paul Rogers, Born Under a Bad Sign. I always thought that that kind of hit me, because when I was younger, I used to complain about that. I must have been born under a bad sign. So. <laughs> <laughs> That's, That's a wonderful song. All right, so you take care. Uh, thanks again, and cheers. Cheers. Thank you. All righty.
You might know him from a few bands. Free, Bad Company, The Firm with Jimmy Page, a major tour they did uh, many years ago, around 2006, I believe, where he was did the lead vocals uh, for Freddie Mercury with Queen and all kinds of great solo material. And that's a version of Born Under a Bad Sign, a Cream song, and that comes from the... Heavenly Cream, an acoustic cream tribute featuring all kinds of wonderful artists. And right before that, if you saw it and if you missed it, uh, rewind or catch it later on. Uh, We had an interview with Malcolm Bruce, the son of Jack Bruce, the vocalist and bassist for the band Cream, along with Eric Clapton and Ginger Baker. All right, we got a uh, release party happening Saturday at the Lager House. The Idiot Kids, who were here just two weeks ago, they did a killer performance live for us from 7 to 8. They're having a release party, and they have a new release called Chapels, and they're going to be playing along with Cult of Space Skull, one of my favorites, and very wonderful young lady, Carmel Liberty and Friends. 
So we're going to play a couple of uh, videos here, Carmel and the Idiot Kids. Starting out with Carmel, this is a recording of her live at the Crownoval happening on October 1st, 22. I can sit in the sun and feel nothing. The red of my skin never stings. They prick me with pins to see if I would notice, but I don't feel anything. But now as I sit with the candle, I see that the flame burns my skin. I freeze immediately, what's happening to me? I must be feeling again. Why should I try to feel what this has? The joy and the pain keeps me alive. I won't find it chasing the dragon or running away from what hurts me. Plucking and pinching it bites When I run away and fall My God, I feel it all And I'll run straight into the night But why should I try romance when somebody holds me even if that means that some nights I'm gonna feel lonely Chips in full deliciousness And I've seen a thousand and one golden sunset And I've never felt a thing And I know this is the start Even if it's all I feel I will be Right. 
another She had a birth, she's through masturbation Got me confused, never stopped the one, yeah I want to flow it like a bolt of lightning Still I can taste your thunder Don't need to reach the top of solution You're at the bottom, come up from under Break the shoreline and feel the change beneath your feet Fight the current and take that song out of your cheek
All right. Killer tune there from the Idiot Kids. I believe they played that for us a couple of weeks ago here in the studio. That's that's definitely an awesome tune. Again, check out the uh, Idiot Kids release party for their new one, Chapels. That's Saturday at Outer Limits, doors at 8. All right. Timothy Munger State Park. If you're not familiar with them, we're going to show a video in a second. They're playing with the High Strung. You might know the, that group. It's um, Joseph Mollerman, I believe is his name. Um, if I said it wrong, I apologize, but he's also noted for his books, including Bird Box, but he's in a band called The High Strung, and they do the theme song for the Showtime show Shameless that was on for about 11 seasons, so that's pretty cool. Anyway, they're both going to be playing at the Logger House this Friday, which is tomorrow, Doors at 8. So we're going to start out with one from Timothy Munger State Park. And this one, if I can pronounce it right, the Hebridean Dream. That's what this video is called. And that is the great lead-in to a song about Scotland. <laughs> You're welcome. The corner in Scotland Stands to try his sight's keen edge All of the Calmac fairies have been Sailing out from Kennecray Out where the eyeless spirits play past Salt-worn cross and soft waves toss in a sheltered bay We go where we want Every sense run amok In this ancient place On our Hebridean holiday The corner and sky King King is there Stands to try his sight's keen edge Out where the Calmac fairies go west From the port of Kennecray Over pastoral roads that lead up Gentle hills past rolling mills To distillers where we all have a drink in this windswept land of stone and
Alright, that's the high strung, and that's the video called If You Want to Roll. And uh, I got to correct myself. That's Josh Mailerman, not Joseph Mailerman. I was close. I was close, but no cigar. Anyway, we're going to do one more set of videos here. We're going to be doing uh, Dan Quixote, Danny Van Zant, and Riot Course. We won't see a video for Riot Course, but they're playing with No Fun Club. And that's at the Lager House also Saturday, and doors are at 8. It's a release party for No Fun Club. They have a new one album out called Regressing. So we're going to do um, Dan Quixote with CEO Jesus, Danny Van Zant with Sisyphus, and finish off with No Fun Club from that latest Regressing with a video called Winona. So um, thanks for listening, viewing, all that good stuff. Uh, we're not going to have a live band coming up. Unfortunately, the lead singer got a bad cold. And he is the critical path because he can't sing. He, he sounded horrible when I talked to him earlier. So we're going to reschedule Rob Zink and the collaborators. It's all good. But for now, this is what we have. So, again, uh, let's start out with Dang Quixote. And this is the video, CEO Jesus.
On the corner of Brooks and Thirteen.